Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, March 28th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. So the next couple of weeks are going to be a busy time for us at the Slash Film offices Uh Jacob is away now in Atlanta on a set visit. Next week, Ben and I are going to be traveling to Las Vegas to cover CinemaCon, and we'll be podcasting from there, so you'll hear a lot about the upcoming year of all the studio's movies uh, from there. And the week after that, Brad will be at Star Wars Celebration. So there's a lot of things going on, a lot of busyness, and I think news has kind of calmed down because of that. Uh, so what w- what you're about to ha- get is a compilation of news that have come uh, that have hit in like the last three or four days. So some of this is a, a little, you know, I want to say lukewarm, but maybe maybe not the the freshest batch of news that we have. Uh, but let's start off with something that did hit yesterday after we recorded, and that is some casting news for Marvel's The Eternals. Chris, what did we learn? Uh, Angelina Jolie is apparently in talks to join the cast of the Eternals for Marvel. Um, we don't know who she's playing. There's there's uh, some speculation that she might be playing the character Cersei, if you're familiar with the Eternals, which I'm really not. I had to do a little bit of research when I wrote this up, but uh, that that's the word on the street. And um, you know, Angelina Jolie, she actually hasn't appeared in a film on since. Uh, 2015's By the Sea, which she directed, but now she seems to be making a bit of a comeback. She has, you know, Maleficent 2 coming out this year, and now she's apparently in talks to join this Marvel movie. So it looks like she's she's looking to get to get back on the acting horse in a very big way. Now, who is the character that she is playing? I don't really know much about Eternals. I know that is a weak point of everybody in the Slash Film sta- Slack. And I, I know we're going to... We're going to dive into those comics and, and try to learn more uh, because we're going to be reporting on it. But, Chris, what do we know about her potential character? I know we don't even know who she's playing, right? Right, we don't. But like I said, there's there's a rumor she's playing a character named Cersei who is based on 
the Cersei from the Odyssey. She's the, uh, I don't know, if you've ever read the Odyssey in school, she's the person who turns Odysseus's men into pigs in the Odyssey. And apparently that's sort of the backstory of her character in the comics. But, you know, in the comics, obviously she keeps going and uh, she's one of the few Eternals um, who are obviously eternal godlike beings. She's one of the few who doesn't mind living amongst us humans. And in in the comic, she she lives in uh, she, in the present day. She lives in New York's Upper West Side. So uh, there's you know there's no word that they're going to keep this exact uh, plot line or this storyline for the film. the The rumor is the story is going to involve the character of Cersei in a love story with a character of Icarus, but. Again, we we know very little. This is all conjecture and hearsay and rumor. I had also heard that Cersei's not the the lead female role in this this story, but uh, I don't know. I, I we, we don't know no, uh, uh, enough about this quite yet. I w- also you saying that she lives on New York's Upper West Side. Is that what you said? Yes, correct. Like I, I was expecting most of the story to take place in the cosmos. And and not actually be earth based at all, but uh, you know that shows you how little I probably know about this property. Ben, does Angelina Jolie's involvement make you more excited for this? Uh, sure, yeah, and, and I mean I'm just like the rest of pretty much everybody on our staff, having like almost zero knowledge of the Eternals. But the I do love Greek mythology and the idea that this character existed back then, and the the creators of these comics you know, found a way to sort of weave that character into the Marvel comic universe is a, a pretty cool idea that we haven't seen in any of the movies so far. So I wonder if they're going to lean into that more and have some more of these characters uh, be, you know, people who have, have popped up in various stories over the years. And I'm also wondering if this is going to be another big ensemble piece. Like, you know, we, we've heard some talk about some of the potential roles that might be looking to be filled in this movie. And I'm wondering if it's going to be like a, you know, Angelina Jolie is like a a superstar. So is she going to be the lead in this movie or is she just going to be one of many, you know, like people who are on this, the same side, is it going to be almost like a guardians style thing where there's, you know, five or six like really really big name people who are who were following the story i don't know well there have been some casting breakdowns that have kind of leaked online and we've reported on them in the past and some of those involve some characters in like their 20s and early 30s which uh seem to be the leads and she seems to be one of the supporting roles at least uh, at least judging by these casting breakdowns so which you can't always trust so uh, i think you are right i think you're uh dead on here that is going to be more of an ensemble thing um but you know let's talk about more marvel stuff let's talk about uh the russo brothers who are doing some press have explained how avengers endgame is going to be different from avengers infinity war what do we know ben yeah in an interview with joe russo uh, he was speaking with box office pro and they he was asked how these two movies would be different because Infinity War, if you'll recall, was originally described as like a heist film from Thanos's point of view. And he said, that's a tricky one to answer without giving anything away. But I will say that the movie is definitely unique in tone. It has its own spirit that's different than Infinity War, which is why I was keen for us to separate the movies. Of course, we're handing off narratives and it's been serialized over 22 movies, but it's different tonally than Infinity War and it is told from a different point of view. It was important for us in our minds as film directors to separate these two because we do not want to make the same movie twice and ways that you can differentiate films are through tone and point of view 
So that was his quote. And uh, as I mentioned, I think, you know, it, it was pretty clear based on screen time and pretty much everything else that Infinity War was certainly Thanos's movie. So that's a big uh, this is going to be a big shift away from that. I don't even think we've seen any new footage of Thanos at all in any of the, the end game marketing so far. So this is clearly, you know, shifting the perspective back to the Avengers this time around. So I guess that's that's the big way of how this movie is going to be different from Infinity War. Yeah, I think we saw one little shot of him on the farm or something like that. But um, there uh, I I'm kind of my, my go my going theory at this point is we know time travel is going to be involved here. You know, th- that seems obvious to everybody. I think this is going to reverse things. You know how they they described Infinity War as a, you know, a heist, Thanos' heist movie. I think this is going to be the Avengers movie, and it's going to be their heist movie, but it's going to be a time travel heist movie. Uh, Chris, does this make you any more excited for Endgame? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm definitely curious to see how Endgame plays out. You know, I, I'm definitely going to see it, and I, you know, I'm not going to prejudge it, but uh, yeah, we'll 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 see. <laughs> it certainly sounds to me like you're prejudging it. No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, I'm 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 ready to be impressed by this movie, and God, I really hope it impresses me. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Russo brothers have also been notorious, uh, them and Marvel, in basically releasing these trailers that have been kind of altered in some way to, uh, I guess, alter fan expectations going in, and they said that they're, uh, the Endgame trailers are the, pretty much the same, that they, there's shots in there that are not uh, either not in the movie or different from the movie's. And we actually, I guess one of those shots has been kind of uncovered. Uh, ben, is this a spoiler? Uh, no, I don't think it's a spoiler. I think it's okay. it's um, it's a pretty pretty minor thing. Okay. Um, so should I just go ahead and tell yeah. people what it is? Okay. I mean, so, well, if you don't want to know about this altered shot that was in the trailer, skip ahead, you know, one or two minutes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, very quickly, um, if you remember the trailer for Avengers Endgame, there's this one shot where Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye is running through what appears to be some sort of underground tunnel, like an industrial looking tunnel. And in the traditional trailer, the 2D version that we've all seen and talked about, there's an explosion behind him and he sort of runs away from that explosion. And there's nothing really in the explosion except for like this ball of fire. But the 3D version of the trailer is also up on YouTube now. And somebody on Reddit spotted that in the explosion or, or just behind Jeremy Renner as he's running through this tunnel there are there's a, a creature in there and it turns out that it's one of the uh, I think they're called the Outriders which is one of those creatures that was in the Battle of Wakanda at the end of Avengers Infinity War those ones that look like like Venom crossed with a, Z- a Xenomorph with multiple arms so uh, that's our first indication that those characters, those creatures are going to be in this movie um, I think as far as I know I think that's the first time we've seen them in yeah. any of the footage um, but you know it, again it's not like a massive spoiler because they were basically part of Thanos' army in the previous movie and we know Thanos is going to be in this movie and it's not just going to be the Avengers versus him this time around, we you know, it makes sense that those guys would would pop yeah. up because the Avengers need somebody to punch in the face, you know, while they're <laughs> working their way up to Thanos. Yeah, well said. You know, the, that's the whole reason his group of minions was in that first movie or in, in Infinity War is like you need the Avengers to to get some small wins before you get yeah. off to the big bad. 
So uh, I, I guess these dog-like creatures will will provide that. I, I was not really impressed by them in Infinity War, and I, I think Chris has already forgotten about them. But um, yeah. I definitely didn't know their name until yeah until this story broke. Yeah, yeah, Brad was telling me that I think they don't even ever mention in Infinity War that they're called Outriders. That's just like something that a name that's been applied to them in the in the media or the marketing or like maybe the the Russos called them that in an interview or something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about the craft. It turns out that Blumhouse is going to be conjuring up a reboot of the craft. Chris, what do we know? Yeah, there's there's been talk of a craft reboot since at least 2015. Um, Lee Yaniak, who directed uh, Honeymoon, was supposed to write and direct it, which I was pretty excited about because I really liked Honeymoon, but that just never pale, panned out. Uh, now, um, Zoe Lister-Jones, who is a, an actress and a filmmaker, she directed uh, a film called Band-Aid a few years ago, which I did not see, uh, has been hired to write and direct this this reboot, I, I remake, see- whatever I did see Band-Aid at Sundance. I think Brad really liked it. I I liked it a little. It's a it is about a film it's a film about a a couple who were kind of breaking up and they use this idea of like get you know creating a band together to kind of you know fix their problems. And it it was a cute quirky kind of thing. I'm not sure I see the the potential of uh, of her I mean like like you know if you're like we need someone to direct the craft reboot. I'm not sure if she would be the first person to pick. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, like uh, a few years ago, I would have never thought of Jordan Peele as a a horror director. Now he's, you know, like the best in the biz. So maybe, you know, and that was a Blumhouse movie too. get out. So maybe Blumhouse or or, or even the guy that directed cop car for Spider-Man. Like, you know, you never know where, you know, yeah, you never know where people's talents lie. They're just waiting for their their big moment, and maybe this is a uh, uh, Zoe Lister Jones's big moment. Who knows? Or maybe it'll be bad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was just trying to pro- provide some perspective on her. Uh, but do we know any more about this reboot? No, we don't. We just know it's being labeled as a reboot. I do know the original reboot they were talking about was being described as more of like a spiritual successor is what they usually call them when it's more like a sort of a sequel where it exists in the same universe as the first film, but it's set with different characters. But uh, it's not clear if they're using that same approach here, if this is going to be like a straight up remake. So we, we have yet to learn specifics. Okay. Um, let's move on to Star Wars. Let's talk about Star Wars. Star Wars uh, has a live-action TV series that is coming to the Disney Plus streaming service uh, probably later on this year, which it's launching later on this year. We don't know when Mandalorian's hitting, hitting exactly yet. We'll probably find out uh, in a week and a half at Star Wars Celebration. But we've gotten a, cu- a couple little bits of news this week involving this show Ben, what do we know? Yeah, so first up, uh, German director Werner Herzog, who is going to be in this show against all odds. Like we, we had no idea that he was going to be in this in this show. Uh, this is like maybe the most surprising piece of casting news uh, involving a Star Wars property in a long time. Uh, we found out a little bit about a small hint about what kind of role he's going to be having in this show, and yes, he's going to be playing a villain. So uh, he, of course, directed movies like Fitzcarraldo and Grizzly Man and tons of other things. Uh, 
he's been an actor in a few projects before here and there, actually like a surprising number of comedies over the past few years. But he played a villain called the Zek in <laughs> Jack Reacher, the Tom Cruise movie back in 2012. Uh, that was very memorable and um, kind of wild. And now he is going to be a villain again in this new Star Wars live action show. And in an interview with IndieWire, he basically just said, I like to act because I know I'm good on screen, but only if I have to play a real villain. So, uh, Peter, I know you have a theory or you, you've talked in the past about your theory about which character he might be playing. And I guess this doesn't officially rule out <laughs> your theory. Well, first of all, I don't want to say it's my theory. This is a theory that's been going on online. And I I actually honestly hope it's not true. But a lot, a lot of people seem to think that he could be playing an old man version of Boba Fett and that, uh, you know, he would somehow come across this new Mandalorian. I, I don't know how that would fit. He also says in this interview that he only has a small role or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So he says, uh, I have a real small part. Those are his words. And I looked on IMDb, which is not always like the end all be all of accurate information on the Internet. But right now he's only credited in the first episode of The Mandalorian. Um, I don't know if that's anything to go on but just the, that fact combined with him saying that he has a quote real small part makes me wonder if he's just going to be introduced and then you know immediately killed off in the first episode or something like that 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 seems sort of appropriate for for Warner Herzog appearance in the Star Wars universe I can't really imagine him committing to you know multiple seasons of a show like yeah. this but um and it's also yeah, typical that he's playing a villain like he always kind of plays that kind of or I, I feel like he's typecast right yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, we also learned that Taika Waititi, who is directing one or two episodes, something like that, um, he is also going to per, uh, play a role in this in, in this series. What do we know? Yeah, so there's this character called IG-88, which uh, is a battered chrome war droid who has become a bounty hunter and answered Darth Vader's call to capture the Millennium Falcon during the events, the events surrounding the Battle of Hoth. He appeared in uh, the original trilogy, and this character has been teased before by Jon Favreau, the uh, showrunner of The Mandalorian. And now on uh, Favreau's Instagram account, he posted this picture of... Taika Waititi, who's, as you mentioned, directing some of these episodes, doing like voiceover work with this IG-88 character uh, on screen in the background. So he's doing like ADR, like dialogue replacement kind of thing for uh, for this character. So this is our first indication that this character is going to be voiced by Taika Waititi also. So that's kind of a cool little nod. I wonder how if this character is going to have like a significant role in the series or if this is just uh, a fun little Easter egg thing that's that's being tossed in there, but um, you know, more stuff for us to speculate about, I guess. I mean, I feel like I, can, I feel like IG eighty eight's not gonna like have like a big speaking role in this series, uh, but uh, Taika has provided, you know, he has appeared in a lot of his films to date. Uh, pre, uh, you know, most recently Thor Ragnarok, he played. Um, Korg. Korg. Yeah, Korg, uh, which I guess is a, a voice role, right? I, I guess he did some performance capture as well. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, d does Chris, does it make you any more excited to see the show knowing that Tekua Titi is voicing one of the legendary bounty hunters from the original trilogy? I'm looking forward to this show. This isn't on my my I don't care list. Yeah. Get, come on, Peter. <laughs> there, there are some things I like. I, I wanna, I, I'm looking forward to this show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm hoping we're going to see a trailer for the show next week, uh, for, or you know, two weeks from now 
from Celebration. Um, so, you know, that's what we're looking forward to. Uh, a story that I think broke at the end of last week was that the Toxic Avenger reboot had landed a director. Chris, you wrote this up for the site. What do we know? Yes, uh, Macon Blair, who's a uh, a writer and an actor, and he just recently made his directorial debut, um, not recently, but a year or two ago with the, the Netflix film, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, is going to direct the film. Uh, he's also going to write it. And this is a... This is pretty cool if you know who Macon Blair is. He's not really a household name, but he he's worked primarily with um Jeremy Jeremy Saulnier. Uh, he's he's been in all of Jeremy Saulnier's movies. Uh, he's co-written some of them. He, his biggest part was in um, Blue Ruin, where he was the the star of that movie, and he's really good in that. So this is kind of exciting to see him graduate to this sort of big studio property. I mean, the Toxic Avenger isn't really like you know a mainstream <laughs> thing but this this remake is being handled by a legendary so it's presumably going to be like a big a bigger production than the toxic avenger is usually used to yeah and um it should be mentioned that if you want to see macon's film i don't feel at home in this world anymore i, be- I believe that's a netflix original yeah it's, it's definitely it's currently streaming on netflix it was released by them now i don't think either of you have seen the toxic avenger is that correct uh, I've seen it, the original. Oh, yeah. you have. Um, d- does this make you more excited for the, this film? Because, you know, like you say, originally the Toxic Avenger was kind of like, I almost want to call it a B movie, but it, it, it's almost like a D movie. It's <laughs> it like was, a Z movie, really. Movie. <laughs> yeah, it's made for, you know, a few dollars. By a few dollars, I mean a few dollars. And somehow it, t- it got a huge following, cult following. It was made into like an animated series for kids. Um, yeah. which is weird because the original Toxic Avenger is not for kids at all. No. And <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of, tr- you know, launched Troma, which Troma is kind of like, it's still around. Uh, they, they they are, I guess, responsible for the career of James Gunn, right? So, um, so what, what are your thoughts on uh, making Blair actually being part of this? I'm really excited about this. I'm really, uh, you know, I don't know him personally, but I'm just happy for him because I like his career. I like that he's getting this this sort of big chance to do this and i'm very curious to see what a a toxic avenger movie with a budget will look like because that's really never been made before they've all been really low budget crappy uh you know b slash z movie so so in uh, this one when someone's head gets run over by a car it won't be like a watermelon yeah it'll, it'll probably look real at the same time you know i don't want them to get it too fancy because that'll like betray sort of like the the spirit of the films like it, it's got to be sort of cheap ish but i guess it's gonna it's impossible to make a movie as cheap as trauma makes them when when you're legendary pictures yeah i wonder if lloyd kaufman is at all involved in this other than i mean he's obviously involved as a producer but like i wonder if that's like you know he's getting some credit and some money or if he's actually creatively involved in any way. I, I don't know if he'll have much input, but I'm sure he'll be he'll be happily cashing the check. Yeah, uh, and uh, hopefully putting that into some new trauma films. Um, okay, our last and f- our final story today involves Jordan Peele's movie Us, and it's Jordan Peele talking about his interest in returning for a, I guess, sequel. No, maybe a follow up in this universe. Some other movie or TV show that takes this place it takes place in this universe. Um, I I feel like to talk about this story in any real way, we need to 
give a spoiler warning. So if you have not seen Jordan Peele's Us, uh, you might want to turn off or no, I would I would suggest turn off the podcast now uh, before we get into it. Ben, what do we know? Yes. So I'm going to give people just an extra second to turn things off in case you have not seen this movie yet. But go see this movie because it's awesome. So uh, there's two things. This the story is twofold. So involving a potential follow up to us. First of all, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who stars in the movie, does not seem particularly interested in coming back to this movie's universe. On the, the red carpet uh, premiere for uh, us, she told a reporter that she was, quote, retired from the tethered world, end quote, and that she would not come back for a sequel if one were to materialize. So wait, you know, so uh, if we were going to imagine what a sequel was to us, it would have to follow her character, right? Uh, I mean, theoretically, the world is big enough that uh, you could follow somebody else. It just seems like her character was the one who sort of kick-started this entire revolution that that started this whole thing. Um, and and as the end of the movie reveals, the scope is way bigger than what we followed in oh, the yeah. movie. So I guess you could follow another family or something else. I feel like that would be more of a spinoff. I, I think you're right. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, so it's interesting to me that she would say that she's not really interested in, in coming back for a sequel. Um, I, I guess there's always the possibility that this is like, you know, one of those instances where Daniel Craig said something about how he would slash his wrist before he played James Bond again. And of course he did end up coming back to play James Bond again. So it could be that she was, maybe this performance took a lot out of her and she's just not up for a sequel right now, but maybe give it a couple of years and she could be, you know, she could change her tune a little bit, but yeah. that's all speculation. So getting onto what Jordan Peele actually said, uh, he of course wrote and directed this movie uh, in an interview with Polygon. He was asked if he would ever return to the quote us verse and he seemed pretty enthusiastic about it. He said, sure, it's a fun one. There's a lot going on there. The us verse. I like that. Uh, and he, explained that he sort of crafted this uh, really detailed mythology. And he said, I have the entire mythology of this world because the audience can tell if you don't. The choice becomes how much of that mythology do you reveal? The line that I'm exploring in this movie is a very difficult line. Some people might want less explanation. Some people might want more explanation. I'm trying to serve whatever your appetite is, but ultimately I'm trying to give enough context to be able to discuss and hypothesize about more. When it's all wrapped up neatly and perfectly, it alleviates the fear. I don't want to do that. See, this, so, is, this is interesting to me because a lot of people's criticisms of this film is that Jordan Peele doesn't care about the logistics of this kind of world he created underground and that he, you know, just is using it as pure metaphor and thematically and it's not, uh, you know, but it seems like, I mean, he seems to say he has it all figured out which kind of goes against that criticism. But, I mean, he is also working what he said. He, he's trying to find the balance of explaining too much versus, uh, you know, giving people a lot of room for interpretation. I know on our last spoiler discussion, Chris, you, you and I were even talking about how that last, like, monologue from Red, we probably could have done without that explanation. Right. Um, but I'm wondering what your your thoughts are here. Like I, I know when the first when the idea of this first came up in the Slack channel, you had not seen us. Uh, the, the possibility of them doing another us movie, and you were kind of uh, angry that like there doesn't need to be a sequel to every movie. Yeah, and I, I kind of still agree. As it's much a, as I love okay. I I love us, I loved it, but I don't 
really want him to go back to this world. Like the same way I don't want him to make, you know, get out to get out again. Like I'm fine with there being this, this being a standalone movie, not to mention like the way it ends seems pretty like, def- like, I don't know what else the, like a sequel would be, I guess like other characters dealing with their tethereds, but I, I really don't, I'm not interested in seeing that. I mean, you know, I say that now, but if he actually makes it, I will obviously see it because I, I, I'm a huge fan of him at this point. But where, where I stand right now, I am 100% fine with there not being us two. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm with you in the, that we don't always need a sequel to every movie that's popular. But I will say that the horror genre did this before all of Hollywood became sequelized. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Freddy and Jason and even movies before that there was tons of sequels like i feel like horror the horror genre created that atmosphere before mainstream hollywood like took and ran it am i wrong i mean yeah i get i mean you know obviously there were sequels before horror but i you know i mean uh, yes obviously horror has become synonymous with sequels, especially like in the eighties when every single, you know, slasher movie <laughs> got its own sequel. But, uh, and yeah, you know, in, in a lot of ways there's, it's still happening now with certain movies yeah. like, you know, happy death day spawned a sequel, which was really good, but I don't know. It, it just seems like there are some movies in the horror genre that are really final. Like, you know, like the witch is a perfect example. I love the witch, but I would never want to see, you know, the witch too, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with letting things end, but I know some people aren't, you know, some people don't share that mentality. See, I, I think I would agree with you most of the time. This movie is a weird uh, situation where I feel like there could be a sequel story to be told, but I'm wondering if that sequel story would get in my, uh, get in the way of a lot of the reason why I like this movie, besides of being a great horror film is the, the aspect of me as a viewer being able to interpret different meanings and mm-hmm. what he's trying to say. I feel like I wonder if a sequel would take some of those possible interpretations away from me. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you is because I, I feel like a sequel or, or even a prequel or some other thing set in this world would, would almost by definition have to provide some answers, whether intentional or not, you know, to, to fill in some of those gaps. And I think that would serve to just make this movie a little bit less interesting by, taking away some of those interpretations. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're all probably on the same page on this. Like, uh, you know, we love Jordan Peele. We love what he's doing. I think all of us would probably rather see him create something entirely new and keep, you know, creating fresh and interesting takes instead of just returning to these worlds. But uh, if he has some take, if he has some reason for going back to this, I think all of us are, are down for seeing it. Yeah. And, you know, let, let's all... I I don't think any one of us believes that Jordan Peele is going to come back and direct in us sequel or follow up. I think if anything, it would, he'd produce and maybe write something like, I feel like he has too much of, you know, he has a blank check to do whatever he wants at this point and he doesn't need to come back to this. So I don't think we're going to see it from him, but I, I could possibly imagine, you know, him producing one. And is, is, is that, is that even something you'd want to see? Like something that isn't directed by him. That's a follow up. I feel like he could maybe become one of those guys who 
is instrumental in handing in like pulling up other filmmakers and and you know giving them opportunities uh and that would be kind of cool to see but chris what do you think do you would you be interested in seeing him you know serve in like a writer producer capacity and and sort of pass the baton to somebody else for one of his franchises no uh (laughs) (laughs) this this happened with james wan's films and i i'm not a fan of that i like i like it when james wan is directing his stories i don't like it when he hands it off to other directors i i know why he does that because he wants to do other things but like the minute he stopped directing insidious movies i was like well these aren't good anymore <laughs> like even if he has story input i i want his visual eye and i i uh, especially after you know jordan peele who i i honestly think is like a better director than james wan you know no offense to james wan but the fact that jordan peele wouldn't be directing would really turn me off just he, he has such a really unique visual eye and he's such like a, a really interesting student of you know the craft of filmmaking and he picks up things from other filmmakers and he adapts them to his own style and you know obviously there there's a world of great directors out there so maybe they could find a great one to take over but you know right now in, in this current timeline i'd rather he be the director or no one do it okay that brings us to the end of today's slash home daily uh chris where can people find more of your work online uh, I am at SlashFilm.com every day, and I'm on Twitter at Evangelista 413 Ben, where can I find you? I am also at SlashFilm.com, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Pears. You can find me at SlashFilm.com. You can find me at SlashFilm on all social media. You can find this podcast, SlashFilm Daily, published every weekday on your popular podcast app. So please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please head on over to our iTunes page. Uh, give us a good rating. Write us a good review. Uh, spread the word. Tell your friends. And we will see you tomorrow.